are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Mark Willard and Joe Shasky on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Okay, what's going on? Next episode of Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys. And just when we were thinking about transitioning into having conversations about December, a tidy little five-game win streak highlighted by two walk-off home runs uh, with Joe Shasky, Mark Willard. It's the Giants podcast for the Giants fan, by the Giants fan. And so now here we are suddenly, Joe, all asking ourselves, to what level do we believe? Um, Look, it's still very, very unlikely, but they are in this thing. There's no two ways about it. This thing is not over yet. Um, But I wonder, this is a question that's been popping in my head for a while. I wonder what you think. So there's no question uh, any Giants fan, if they're actually a Giants fan, is going to be rooting for them to make the postseason all the time. But we've also said everything that we've said up to this point this year about differences we'd like to see going forward. So what if they do have a really good rest of August and September uh, and wherever that ends up, who knows, maybe there's some October baseball too. How does that change the discussion with regard to changes you want to see? And does it give the giants brass the opportunity to say, no, that's, that's two good years in a row. We're just fine. Well, I think you still need to upgrade at certain positions. Like right now, even though they're in the middle of a five-game winning streak, they need almost everything. (laughs) I mean, like they could use more starting pitching, right? We don't know what's going to happen with Rodon. Clearly need bullpen. Every position out on the field is up for grabs. Maybe catcher is is accounted for if Bart can keep this up. But like to me, I think that would be fool's gold. Just because you're winning doesn't mean you can't upgrade. And I look at just all the best teams around sports, whether it's the Golden State Warriors, whether it's the New England Patriots when they were at their heights, they were always evolving and trying to upgrade. So I I hope that's not the case, Mark, because I think we both would agree just because you have a good record, just because you get in the playoffs, even if you knock a team or two off, this is very far from a perfect roster. And there's uh, there's upgrades that can be made. Well, I'll even sit here and take it in the moment and say, look, I have my concerns over um, how – sustainable and obviously no five game win streak is sustainable. It's not like they're just going to win out. Um, But this good play, if you, if you will, how sustainable is it? Because again, two of these five wins took heroics in the bottom of the ninth inning, number one. And number two, there's been very, very little asked of the bullpen during this time. And so we're still not seeing what I think is going to be the most important thing down the stretch which is better pitching out of the bullpen. You've gotten such good pitching from the starters uh, during this five-game period. And then when you do ask something out of the bullpen, um, you know, Doval's been fine. Brebbia good last night. But outside of that, there was one game where they asked for a lot out of the bullpen. They coughed it up twice, and and Estrada saved them. So my eyes are still there. I still want to see three or four relievers start to pitch well before I believe this is really going to go somewhere great. Yeah, and before the game tonight, they made a bunch of little microtransactions in terms of optioning guys to and from Sacramento. And so Luis Gonzalez gets dropped down, a couple of arms that I'm not familiar with. I'm not sure if you've heard of any of these names. Like, these are people none of us are familiar with. Let's see it. Come on down. Like the price is right. Let's let's see if they can take a spin and 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 get out there. And maybe there's a salvageable arm. This guy, Alex Young. 
Okay. I didn't know who he was two weeks ago. He's put together now two good performances. Now, is he Jeremy Affelt in his prime? No. But like right now, he's trending in the right direction. And in a bullpen looking for somebody to take the rock, why not? I'll take anybody who throws with their left arm right now. <laughs> yes. uh, my 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 eight-year-old son's a true lefty. I've been thinking a lot about it lately. I mean, my gosh, like anybody who can get outs from the left-hand side is 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 very valuable. So Zach Littell is back. Maybe that will provide another sixth, seventh inning type mm-hmm. guy who can provide some stability. But look, it's also just going to take, and I know this is never all that satisfying of an answer, it's going to take people – who have performed in the past to perform. Dominic Leone is gonna have to is gonna have to stabilize himself. Mm-hmm. Harlan Garcia looks like maybe he has. Maybe he's stabilized himself. Brebia um, has been good most of the year. He had a good outing, but it was a little wobbly before that. Like you're gonna have to have your four or five guys mm-hmm. pitch. And then the other question is. You know, can Tyler Rogers, how many more times do you even want him to try to be one of those four or five guys? It's a great question. The one good thing is we haven't seen him in like four days. You know what I mean? So maybe his arms had an opportunity to crank it up a couple of miles per hour because, boy, he could use it. Uh, Secondarily, I think it is fool's gold to think that Jacob Junis, who has not gotten past the fifth inning all year, went seven strong basically yesterday to think that he's going to do that every time or even every other time through his rotation the rest of the way. You're asking a lot from Rodon, who's getting the ball today, Webb, and then Alex Wood, Alex Cobb. Like I don't know. I, I think it puts a lot of strain on those guys, and I do think you have to be a little careful with Logan Webb. I mean, he's a 25-year-old. You want to worry about this year – but you don't want to wear down the rubber pad on this bad boy for next year and beyond. Well, and just keep in mind what's coming now. I know you got the excitement of the moment and, and there's confidence all over the place for the next two games because the Giants will finish up this homestand and you've got Rodon and Webb thrown in those two games. That's great. Even if the Giants win them, let's say mm-hmm. they're, you know, two or three back in the last column of the wild card race uh, if, if they're able to win those games. Now you're going to Colorado. And, and and what do we know about that? House you know what I mean? Like you're going to need your bullpen to pitch. This is a trip to Colorado, and it's huge. It's huge because it's the start of a roadie that will take them also to Detroit and Minnesota, and you got to play well because as soon as you get back, you got back-to-back homestands that are literally against the best teams in baseball. It's San Diego. It's Philly. It's the Dodgers. It's Atlanta. That's the the next four teams that come to Oracle Park. So, um, look, I believe, you know, I always believe I'm always here for the journey. I, I, I think it's great that they have at least emotionally continued to show life after the way they started things after the all-star break. Um, but there's still a piece of me that goes, look, I, I know that this isn't going to end up anywhere good if those guys that we just mentioned yeah. don't start performing. Yeah, no, it's totally fair. And yeah, I don't know what's going to happen here down the stretch. I'm just kind of going day to day. And I know everyone wants to look at the schedule and all the bad teams and all the good teams and who they play. I I can't get too bottled down. I need to see my starters go six strong and we'll just take it from there. And I'm I'm thinking right now and I'm like, I trust Brebbia, obviously, right now. 
process of elimination. I trust Alex Young. Leon, I kind of cringe a little, but I trust him more than than a Tyler Rogers. But can they continue the situational hitting as well? Like, Mark, as much as this is about the arms and the bullpen, they've played much better defense as of late, much better defense. And then the situational hitting has been there. Now, look, the guy's getting first and second, no outs, and they can't move a runner over. I'm going to continue to pull my hair out on this one. Mike Escremsi on line one. But – some of this magic, I mean, I, sometimes you can't explain it in baseball. No, you can't. And by the way, so now the other side of the coin that we're talking about right now, let's go ahead and give a moment to this magic. Like, uh, the, of all the wins this year, um, I'm still going to – you're never going to take away – Yaz's walk-off grand slam for me. It was awesome. That's Right? That's the game. It was awesome. Right? Remember the game early in the year, Jock Peterson, two home runs. Yes. Uh, the back and forth game. Who were they mm-hmm. playing against? Was that uh, not was the it Indians? Philly? It was somebody. I can't remember who it was, but it was a back and forth yeah. thing. And what they win thirteen to twelve, something ridiculous. The Mets. That one pops to mind. But outside of that, from an Oracle Park fan base that has cried the word boring, <laughs> uh, you know, too often for anybody's taste this year. Man, they've been treated this week. I mean, two out of three games, you go into the bottom of the ninth, down one. And then uncork the long ones. And I mean, Brandon Crawford, you're talking one nothing ball game, <sighs> nobody on base, two outs, two strikes, and you win that ball game. That's absolutely the kind of game that can lead to a few more wins. They were literally an umpire strike three away, which he had called strike three all night, oh. you know, a foot and a half off the plate and he doesn't get it. Arizona get Estrada doesn't get the strike called. The Arizona manager gets thrown out. I'm in the second row listening to hearing the whole thing. And I'm thinking, boy, they caught a break on that one. That's been a strike all night. And Estrada hits one off the wall. I couldn't even tell if the right fielder, I, did it hit his glove, Mark? It I'm not even close. sure. It was close. He did you know everything sort of disappears up against that <laughs> yeah. brick wall yes. but yeah he 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 put the kind of blind leap yes. up and it bounced off something up there but it wasn't it definitely was not a ball that he w- should have caught no. it was and, a you know clean triple and and if you were in the ballpark it was hot all night i was in a t-shirt i mean how many times can you wear a t-shirt to a giants game and then by about the eighth inning the temperature dropped and the wind started kicking up and yaz hits that ball earlier in the inning to dead center and alec thomas goes back on it maybe an hour earlier that's out but instead he jumps right. up and catches it so i had no idea crawford's ball was going to get out i couldn't believe it just kept going and going wow. Neither did the announcers, by the way. Like, I had a fun time this morning sort of comparing the two walk-off calls. Flem and Kype, the second Estrada hit his ball, they're like, that puppy is mm-hmm. not coming back. But this time, it's uh, I think it was Miller and Kype yeah. who had the uh, the two calls of this one. And need, you could tell, neither one of them, <laughs> at, at first blast, neither one of them was like, hey, hit it well. It's going to center, but you think, look, there's two outs. This is going to end up on the warning track, and the Giants are going home. And like you said, it just kept going. And it leads to, you know, maybe the feel-good moment of the year. Jalen Crawford gets the video of her kids jumping around. By the way, I don't know if you heard when she called into the the station earlier today to share the story of how that came together. This is really fun. And Giants fans, if you missed this, you'll love it. So – Here's the thing. If you've seen the video of Crawford's kids jumping around, that was not live. So here's what happened. You got little kids, some of whom had gone to bed, but 
Three of them woke up because they heard Jaylen, the wife. Oh my gosh. They heard her screaming, but they didn't think it was because Brandon had hit a home run. Jalen also, just before the home run, they're in Arizona. She had found a tarantula in the oh, house. Oh, no. So she oh screams about that, and the kids come out, and they think it's because there's a tarantula in the house. So she then go through all the tarantula stuff. <laughs> Apparently, they're keeping this tarantula as a pet and calling oh. it Walk-Off. They named it Walk-Off. Oh, wow. That's a great name. Right? And then she brought the kids over to the TV, rewound it to before – the home run, she knew what was about to happen. The kids did not. They thought they were watching it live. Oh, that's great. And then that's why she was able to calmly just take a video of them. It was a phenomenal story. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing on many layers. And I mean, Crawford's family, doesn't everybody get kind of, you know, all warm and fuzzy when they see him? I mean, he, he's a local boy wearing the Giants colors down at Candlestick as a five-year-old. There's everything you got to love about Brandon Crawford. And it's his third walk-off this year. He only has four for his career. I can't yes. believe it. In a year right. that would most would say it's been kind of a down year for Crawford, especially how awesome he was last year. He's really hitting his stride right now. No doubt. And if you do think of all the moments that he gave Giants fans last year, it's easy. And then if I asked you this year, what visual do you have? What memorable moment do you have? I know you said third walk off this year, but first one that's going over the fence like that. And you're just like, man, like he needed that. He needed some positive memories from, from this year. And I heard him after the game saying, like, I, he's been feeling good. This is the best he's felt all year after coming off the IL. So maybe he, along with the team, can recapture a little bit of last year. And I don't know, man. Maybe they got a little something for us here over the next month and a half. You just never know. And look, sometimes there are certain teams that play bad baseball for the middle part of the year, and then they play their best baseball down the stretch. It does feel like to me, outside of April, the last two weeks has been some of their better baseball, or at least the last week. Okay. At least the last week. And so I just look at the defense too, Mark, the defense has been much improved. Yeah. When was the last time we said Estrada, what are you doing? I think it also coincides with Evan Longoria coming back. No doubt. Evan Longoria is a stabilizer at third. Well, their veterans are back. So yeah. People are not out of position yep. and you're not getting Mariners farm hands showing up <laughs> every other day. I mean, at who knows where. So yes, they're not perfect players, but at least they're the ones you know and that you expect it to be yep. in these positions this year. The, the lineup looks like you expected it to be, and and that may not be perfect, but it's certainly serviceable. It's better. It's competitive. Oh, no, it's, it's totally yeah. fine. Right now I'm looking at this team and I'm saying Estrada and Wilmer Flores have kind of carried them, you know, as of the last couple of months offensively, but you're seeing small contributions. Crawford, Longoria, Belt coming through with a double uh, earlier in that game. Guys are stepping up, but the key for me is Joey Bart. He just looks like a totally different guy. Well, okay, so I'm glad you brought it up because it's something I've heard you talk about a lot on your show with regard to Joey Bart and where should he go in the lineup. Well, we had Gabe Kapler on today, had an opportunity to ask him. So we're going to hear from Gabe Kapler here in just a second. First, a reminder that you're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys, the Giants podcast for the Giants fan by the Giants fan. We come at you twice a week and we invite you to rate, review and subscribe. Okay, so Gabe Kapler comes on after the victory and it was one of the questions. I mean, I heard you guys talking about it in the morning, so I made absolute sure that we asked Gabe 
uh, when he came on later in the day. I said, okay, Gabe, tell me, is there any thought with the way that Joey is hitting about moving him to a higher leverage spot in the order? I think it's always worth consideration. I think the flip side of that is do you want to, you know, move a guy up, maybe apply a tiny bit more, you know, pressure, or do you want to kind of leave him alone and let him succeed and thrive where he is? You know, you're not going to move him much up in the lineup because I wonder if you're, if, as a right-handed hitter, if you're going to, like, pop him above a guy like Flo or Longo or Estrada, you know, the way, you know, they've been swinging the bats as well. Maybe it's just that you let Joey have the success that he's having and, and try to build on it. But I think it's always worth considering to answer your question directly. Okay, so you tell me, do you buy the idea of if it ain't broke, don't fix it, or does he need to change because he's got a consistent run going? Well, it's an interesting way of phrasing it the way he put it because, you know, would he bat in front of Estrada? Like, talking about stacking the righties or, I guess, going every other guy being one of the righties because, you know, it depends on who's pitching and how they want to set their lineup. It's interesting logic. I personally think it might be overthinking it a little. Like, I just, if the guy is is one of your better hitters, I want him to get half an at-bat more per time he gets into the game. Like, that's the way I'm looking at it. I thought he was going to maybe go, hey, pitching changes late in games and bullpen and things like that might, might factor in their, to their decisions. I'm not thinking that he needs to bat four. I, I, I think that's too aggressive. He can't bat seventh or eighth. You know, seventh or eighth. I don't think it's that much to ask. And I think the way he phrased it at the front end, going up a tick, to me that means batting in the seven or six spot, not in the three, four, five, which I'm okay with. I mean, he can force this now. When I say he, I'm talking about Joey. Yes. He can force this issue if uh, a real run of dominance continues. But it's funny, I also think this. Like, I likened it in a very, very different way, but there's a piece of it that, that, that's, that, that's similar um, I was thinking about Joey Bart and and Trey Lance, and that is uh, finding ways with your young players to not make them feel like the weight of the world is on their shoulders. Uh, Joey Bart is has been the, the 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 homegrown hope for some time now, and he came up and it looked like it was a total failure. And a lot of people in the first half of this season already gave up on him and thought, so that ain't it. Let's move on to someone else. And there was probably some embarrassment on his part or or some shame, whatever. You got to go back to the minors and go find your swing and all of this. He comes back and he's having the first sustained successful run in his big league career. Do you immediately want to jump on that and go, okay, you're our guy. Okay, you're you're a cleanup hitter now. It is, in some ways, one of my concerns with Trey Lance this year. Like, you're replacing a guy who went to the NFC title game two of the last three years. So does that mean the bar is win the Super Bowl or you're a failure? I'm not sure. But I know that I I watched the 49er brass taking steps to write our run game. Mm -hmm. Kyle Shanahan said the other day, Trey doesn't make or break us. They're trying to just like ease the pressure yeah. on these young players. So I wonder if there's a piece of it here on, on this where it's like, okay, Joey's finally having a run. Let's let him just experience that for a while before we suddenly say, okay, you're the face of our team. It, look, it's a very fair point. And I guess to a degree, I, I believe in it, but I also think that most of these guys, especially the number two overall pick golden spikes award winner, you got to think, 
I want to bat in high leverage situations. Like throughout their entirety of their baseball lives, they've wanted to come up like everyone does in the backyard, bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the ninth. Like everyone visualizes that. And so if I can give him one extra at bat over a three game span because he's moved up one spot in the order. I mean, I feel like you got to do that if, if he is one of your better ones. But this is all predicated on him continuing to build on what he's doing right now. This could easily go into a one for 22 slump because we've seen that already earlier this year. So I, I, it is delicate. I will grant that. It's easy for me to sit here and say, bat him in the five hole, bat him in the four hole, the three hole. But at some level, I do feel like we're, we're overthinking this thing. An extension of what you're talking about is the other thing we want to play for you from Gabe, which is the platooning and the matchups. He was asked, like, how do you go about deciding the lineup? Because everybody seems like they've been in every position at some point, right? Yaz is batting eighth. He's batting first. He's batting third. It's all over the place. But we also know this staff, like there, there's some method to the madness. Like we know they're thinking about it. So here's what Gabe had to say about how he puts the lineup together. On the surface, it looks like, well, you're lining up your order in like, uh, you put your best hitter in the three hole or you put the on base guy in the, in the one, or you put the guy that can move the runner over in, in the two. And I think that's sort of how it's traditionally looked at. But the first thing we're looking at is the relievers in the opposition's bullpen and when those guys may come into a game to force us or to attempt to force us to make a move, right? Everybody knows based on how we managed our roster last year and how we're managing it this year, that when we have an opportunity to go for it, we're not uncomfortable, you know, using our bench early in the game, sometimes as early as the fifth or the sixth inning, sometimes even before if we think a bullpen game is going to happen on the other side. The lineup construction is more about where their relievers are going to come in and what our lineup is going to look like if and when we pinch it so that we have we make it more difficult for them to match up late in the game and so that let's say a team has a a left-handed closer by way of example this is just an example like like Josh Hader that he's not going to pick off a string of four left-handed hitters in a row we know that platoon advantages are real in this game they're very dependable they're very predictable over a long period of time. And so we're just trying to combat that and make it a little bit more difficult for opposing managers to match up late in games. Okay. I thought this was an interesting answer. What Gabe is essentially saying, when we put our lineup together, the first thing we're thinking about is the other team's bullpen. So while we're sitting here going, okay, first inning, who's first, second, and third, let's get him an extra at bat. They're thinking about the sixth and the seventh inning and when the likelihood is that the other team's going to make a move, what's their preparation for that? I, I, I mean, again, this is this is the advanced way that a lot of teams look at it right now. You can accept it or deny it, but the, I mean, that's the first time I've heard them say when we build a lineup, we're we're, we're basically projecting to the end of the game rather than the beginning. I think this is one of the most fascinating things I've ever heard from them, like just in general. Yeah. Here's the thing that I'm questioning. Would they use the same methodology if they had, let's just say, hypothetically, a Dodger-like lineup that is almost set in stone, right? Because I do believe on some level, and I credit Gabe for this and the entire staff, they're not even in this position above 500 right now without all the tinkering and all the playing of the matchups because I just don't think their roster is good enough, at least whatever you would think their everyday roster to be. The other side of me goes – 
God. So you're really worried about getting to the soft underbelly of this team in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning. But I think you're totally omitting the two and three times through the lineup that precede that. Now, granted, most people would say it's softer in the bullpen than it is in most teams starting rotations, right? Because most guys out of bullpens are flame out starters or whatever. Like just looking at it from that perspective, it just feels like, for example, last night, uh, what's his face? Logan uh, uh, Lamont Wade was batting ninth. And he came around multiple times through the lineup against Merrill Kelly. Then late in the game, they pinch hit Slater because Mantiply, Mantiply, whatever the guy's name is, the lefty, came up. And I'm saying to myself, well, okay, what would have happened in this scenario if they would have touched up Merrill Kelly earlier in the game? Would you still have gone to Slater no matter what the lefty situation was? I'm just I, asking I, out loud. I don't yeah, even know. I, I mean, obviously, you don't, you don't know. I do think that – um, I, I, the game situation is going to dictate in, 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 on some level, what you do, what mm-hmm. decisions you make later. Cause you can't predict what's going to happen in the first five to six innings. Um, but you can be ready for the back half of the game in a way, uh, that suggests like, yeah, that's the more important half of the game. And they've uh, been good right? Mark yeah. to defend them. If you look just over the last two years, I feel like their late game pinch hitting has worked way more than it hasn't over the last couple. If you just contrast it from the last couple of years. So I want to give them credit. Totally. Here's where it gets real tricky for me. And and again, you got to get to the playoffs for this to even be a factor. When you get to the playoffs and you see what the Dodgers did regarding the the back and forth with the starter, you know, the opener guy, and then we're going to go to Urias and you start to pluck different guys out of the lineup early on it does limit your options later in the game when a guy only gets one or two at-bats and he's subbed out in the fourth inning, right? So totally, it, I think it works better throughout the, the regular season, the long body of work. I'm not sure if it's a great strategy for a postseason series. Um, I'll agree with you. I also think it, it, hidden in his answer is an admission to what you're talking about. Which you is asked, well, well would, you, would you do this if you had – a Dodgers type lineup. If you had players like yeah, that, yeah. I'm going to unequivocally say, no, you wouldn't. And neither would they. That is my so belief. Either. He said at one point, this is how we did the lineup last year and how we're doing it this year, which tells me there's an openness to maybe do it differently. <laughs> if the roster were constructed differently, if they had acquired Juan Soto, they're not batting him seventh. No. And they're certainly not pinch hitting for him with slates. Well, in the seventh inning, if a left-handed pitcher comes up. So it is a matter of getting those guys, which gets us back to the conversation we've been having for a while. Just how do you get those guys? I know. And well, pretty soon, whether it's from their system or not, they're going to have to go get some of those guys. No, there's no doubt. And when they had Buster Posey, they didn't move him around very often. Nope. I mean, he was pretty much in the middle of that order unless he had an off day. And then they would systematically use him as a pinch hitter. But for the most part, it was Posey's going to play. You know what I mean? For the most part. So I, I do agree with that. I do, though. I conceptually struggle with working backwards the way they have, because to me, that tells me we're putting so much emphasis on late game situations. When I've watched this team through the first five innings of games have opportunities to take out pitchers early in games. Tyler Beatty is a great example earlier in this, in this week. And, And they don't strike on these opportunities. And it feels like we're waiting, we're waiting to pull our card. Well, you might fall down six, one and that card can't ever reveal itself. They might, except for, I think their philosophy is the strength of our, 
all-star team is the starting rotation. Yeah. So we're going to bet on those starters keeping us in the game for the first six innings. And True. then we'll go, and then we'll go from there. True. I, I mean, I think again, you can argue with any of this stuff. I think that that's their philosophy. And that was an interesting way uh, for him to describe it in a way that I, I hadn't heard before. So me neither. Um, yeah. It's garlic fries and baseball guys. Thank you so much for being with us twice a week. And we hope that you rate review and subscribe. Okay. Last thing, and this is an interesting question we bring up, and it's been what I think, and I mean this more uh, literally than I do figuratively, it's been a painful year for Brandon Belt. Mm. When I watch him play, it looks to me like he's in pain. Um, it, it, it's actually a characteristic of this Giants team that, that is quite bothersome. There are so many players who, when they're on second base, you're like, they're going to have to hit a double to it, score them. Like, I mean, the idea of Belt or Longoria or Flores. Lestella. Lestella. Sometimes Jock. Yeah. The idea of these guys, it was certainly rough uh, before he left. The idea yes. of these guys getting around the base paths and getting home uh, without pulling a hammy just seems like a pipe dream. And, and, and so specifically for Belt, a career giant, a champion, a guy who was amazing last year, um, but he comes in on the qualifying offer. And so everything and anything is on the table. Um, this could be his last month and a half as a giant. Uh, what do you think? Where's your head right now on the career and future of Brandon Belt? Look, my wife is a casual baseball fan at best. And when Belt was walking up with his, you know, uh, on deck circle from the on deck circle to home plate, she turned to me and she goes, what happened to his legs? I go, what do you mean? Look how he's walking to just go up and take his at bat. I mean, he's struggling to get up to the batter's box. And then you see him try to dive for that ball, Mark. And and I felt bad for him. I legitimately felt bad for him because a younger version of himself catches that ball with no problem, right? That little like half check swing bunt thing that was going on late in that game. Yep. I don't know what you do with him. I, I, a part of me, you know, I think a part of me wishes that he would retire for his own sake, but oh. I don't fault him for wanting to keep playing. If he still has that burning fire within him, they just can't, they cannot rely on him as an everyday player. And I feel like because he would come back, they might feel an obligation to play him more than he deserves right now. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, he's 34 years old right now, shortly after opening day next year, he'll be 35. So no shame in, in walking away or at least thinking about that around this time. But this is also a guy who four months ago uh, showed up on a boat and a captain's hat for opening day. Like he was kind of the face of the team. And so I, I don't know if that's where his head is at. There's been the thought of another knee surgery that certainly might shade the way he's feeling about the whole thing. I, I just think this, I, I, I think that right now it's going to be difficult to give Brandon belt what he probably wants and thinks he deserves, which is, uh, 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 you know, an unadulterated starting job at first base next year. I don't, I just, it does not feel like the Giants can afford that. No, especially when you just look at the open market. And if you want one of these DH right-handed power bats, which they all need, like you need to have a slot at first base open for him. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I don't think it makes much sense to bring belt back. The other part about this, he's got 23 RBIs this year. I mean, he's just been he he hasn't been driving the ball. He can't move. It's just really unfortunate. And 
I, I kind of hope I and this sounds so, so sad to say, I, I kind of hope he walks away. Mark, I really do. I hope he takes the decision out of the Giants hands. And I can't well, believe I'm saying that. Yeah. I mean, that's how we feel in this moment. The one thing I mean, watch the, the way this story goes. He has a nice nine day. Oh, streak. my gosh. He yeah. leads him in September and off they go and they sneak in as yeah. the sixth seed. And you know what I mean? He has a nice series in the opening round. Yeah. Maybe they lose that series and you're like, Oh gosh, what, you know, what, what, what do we do here again? But yeah, look, this is going to be a big part of the picture and why I've said so many times it's the most important off season of the Farhan era by far, because think about what is, I don't know if likely is the right word, but, but a scenario that I'm thinking right now, which is that if belt walks or retires, Rodon opts out, you decline Longoria's option. That's going to leave your payroll as it stands for next year, barely north of $60 million, which is over $100 million short of 10th in the league in payroll. I believe the Giants should always be top, top 10, 10. Yep. period. I'm right? So that's almost too much money to spend in an offseason to try to do it responsibly. Like you'd have to go crazy. You'd have to find some great players to even say yes. But you're down to what you know about next year. You know, you're down to Webb, Cobb, Wood, DiSclefani, Lastella, and, I mean, not much else. That would be about it. And, and so, um, you know, I, I, I agree with you um, that, I, that, that they can't give Belt the first base job. I don't know if I'm ready to say I don't want him on the team. I just think that, you know, they're going to have to fill out roles. For me, it's about what is that role. Yeah, if, that's a if good Belt, point. If Belt is going to still be your best defensive first baseman, and if that ends up being a platoon spot with whoever, Wilmer, J.D. Davis, whatever, you know, I think you're open to that depending on what the rest of the roster looks like. That's how I'd say it. That, you know, I think that's a fair point. The thing on the payroll, I mean, I'm just looking at it right now, and I'm, I'm looking at what the Giants could potentially do. You're seeing what the Braves are doing right now, locking up all their young talent and buying out their arbitration years, and you get kind of like a discount if you do it that way, but you also run the risk of those guys not performing well in year four, five, six, seven of those deals. I got to believe a Logan Webb like extension where they buy out some of his arbitration huh. years. I think that's on deck this offseason. Uh, I wonder because Logan Webb at this point um, is, uh, as we know, obviously he's still under team control yeah. for three more years. So you'd this be is his first out, year of arbitration. Yeah, you'd be buying out ARB one, ARB two, and ARB three. I think it's fair. This guy makes less than a million bucks this year. Less than a million dollars for Logan Webb. So his arbitration number would be big, right? Like he's going to get a very, very nice raise. Um, but are are you motivated to do that, quite frankly, just way earlier than you need to? I, I, I get, don't know. Yeah. I, 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 but you need somebody where... to – you might need somebody to be the face. I always think of like their marketing programs, and I don't know how deep they think of this when it comes to retention of players. But, you know, Matt Cain at one point got bought out because they wanted to have his face plastered all over Embarcadero so they could have those banners because Timmy kept taking those one- and two-year deals. So I don't know how much that current regime looks at it that way, but that's just a player that I was thinking about that they might think about buying out early. The Rodon thing I think is the most fascinating part because if – if he walks, that's yeah. 22 million off the current book. And you think 30 to 35 million is probably his going rate in terms of his average annual value. 
there's not another pitcher out there unless you want to take a flyer on a hurt guy like DeGrom or Syndergaard to be able to spend that kind of money, at, at least in starting pitching. Yeah, I. you know what's funny about the Rodon thing? I mean, even when you say 30 to 35, I start to – my shoulders yeah. start to get a little tight, do. right, just because of his arm history and whatnot. But you're right. He's going to opt out. That's business, um, provided that he's healthy the rest of the way this year. I'm sure there will be suitors. But I'm also a little triggered sometimes when people are just like, so Rodon is gone. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Why wouldn't the Giants be the number one team he would sign with Mm -hmm. based on not only the fact that he's here, but no one will have more money to spend this offseason. So when we say he's going to opt out, why are we just assuming that that means he's he's gone from the Giants? They should be first in line for his services. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and then look around. It's not like the Padres have money to be able to spend on him. The Padres are already tapped out in terms of their payroll, and they want to work some sort of a long-term extension for Juan Soto, so he's not going to be in their cards. The Dodgers are on the books for a lot of money, and they've got a lot of tough decisions moving forward. What do they do with Bellinger? You know, what what, what do they end up doing with some of their other guys, uh, Justin Turner, some of their older guys? So I don't think they're in the mix either. Uh, maybe the Yankees are in the mix maybe always, but, always. But, but but is his attitude gonna fly in new york is, is his beard gonna fly in oh, new york no, is he gonna no. be able to handle that pressure the right. way Randy johnson just crumbled i i don't know about that attitude maybe beard definitely not I, I right? mean, yeah we've reached a point where that might even be an advantage for other teams the only <laughs> one they've got over the yanks is i mean wouldn't you wouldn't you just go to the free agent meeting and be like man like yeah literally fear the beard used to be a phrase in this town go ahead and just yeah. let it hang out that's still the weirdest thing that the yankees do but i don't know man i mean there's obviously a lot to be figured out next year and and this team like i, I I just feel like they are riding the line at times of almost being scared of the big contract and they're not wrong. That's the bummer thing. We all want a star. We want them to spend. I'm with you. They should, they have to, they owe the fans a big payroll at the same time. You know who won last December, you know who the team was that was like, look at our spending. We're awesome. Their president of baseball operations, John Daniels, with the Rangers, got fired today. Yeah. And, and, and he was trotting out Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon and doing a victory lap eight months ago. And now he doesn't have a job. And, and so you just, you know, Angels, Rangers, I, I want them to spend, but they seem to be getting themselves into a spot where it's almost like they have to spend. And that's not a great position because you, you want to spend, but you want to spend – smartly you don't desperation. want to the, yeah you don't want to spend just for the sake of spending yeah desperation creates recklessness and that's where you get in way over your head and the next thing you know you're on an 11 year deal with you know anthony rendon you right. know playing third right. base when he had you know basically one and a half decent seasons you know and a good run in the playoffs i'm with you on that but there is something to if you're chasing perfect and you keep turning down everything that's not perfect you're gonna miss very very good to great you know, every now and then. And sometimes you got to roll the dice a little. Last thing, and I wonder, this conversation we're having, in your opinion, how does that factor in to the attendance issue that suddenly we're all talking about? They had great crowds over the weekend, and Pittsburgh was in town. Uh, School is starting. You get to Monday and Tuesday against the D-backs. 
That's about as empty as this stadium has looked in as long as I can remember. I didn't think it was a big deal, right? And then I went to the game last night with my wife. My wife used to have season tickets. She's not tapped in on the Giants the way you and me are, right? But she'll watch. She knows a couple of the players or whatever. She loves baseball. Well, back in the day, her favorite player was Benji Molina. Okay, Benji Molina, not a star, right, Mark? Not, not a star. star. Not but a he was star. a Giants manufactured star because that's how Larry Bear does it. So we're at the game last night. At the end, we would give some friends a ride home. We're in the car, and she turns to me and goes, that was the least amount of people I've ever seen at a Giants game. Yeah. And I said, really, you think? She said, oh, absolutely. I couldn't believe how empty it was. And I go, well, why do you think that is? Well, she you know, works downtown right near where our station is, Levi's Corporation. And she says, look, I'm the only person at my office right now. There's no one in the building. No one but me. Every day there were thousands of people here. We had seven food trucks lining up at 11 o'clock in the morning, and you had to wait to get your ticket to get food. There is nobody downtown. That's number one. She also thinks the recession and the money and how much it costs everyone, people are just more discerning because we don't know what's going on with the market right now. And then the other factor, which we were talking about, you know, a lot of the people that would go to the games that are downtown or whatever, maybe they've moved away more toward the suburbs, which takes even longer. Once you get home, you're not going to repack all your stuff, grab the kids, go back into town. That's unrealistic, especially given that school's starting right now. I, I think your wife's really smart. And, and I think that these, the, the issue the giants face as an organization is a little bit more complex than some of the simple answers we give, which is get us Aaron Judge. <laughs> yeah, uh, just get us oh, okay. Then 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 there'll yeah. be forty thousand every night. It's <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not that. It's it is it's it's people's lives. Yes, it's the way we're moving, and the world has changed, and it's probably not changing back. Not all the way for no. sure. It's not going to change all the way back. So now. Now you need to sort of change the calculus if you're the Giants. And I'm going to look at San Diego probably as my blueprint. Yeah. Even though that's a much, much easier stadium to sort of get to. There isn't great parking there either. But but it's um, a great it's, drinking town. It's yeah, like you kind it's of just, flow into the park. Well, so you've got to motivate people in a different way. Yeah. And so maybe a star being on the team is part of that. But it goes way deeper than that. San Diego has successfully made it feel like you're coming to a party Yeah, when you're going to the baseball game. And they're cool. They may not win. They certainly don't win when they play the Dodgers. But the Padres and Dodgers right now have done things that very few baseball teams are doing right now, which is somehow they have made the fan base feel like they're cool. While so many other baseball teams feel like the opposite of that. Yeah, it's almost like now you got to kind of, you know, you got to got to ease into your Giants conversation because it's like, am I, am I a nerd who's on the second half of life? I like baseball, right? Like, sorry, is that okay in this room? That's what too many baseball teams feel like. Yeah, and that's a challenge for the Giants now. You gotta, you gotta come up with some pretty interesting things to battle that. Well, another point that my wife was making, which, again, I like listening to people because your casual fans are what's going to fill the ballpark on most nights. It's not going to be the diehards like you and me. Trust me. Like that 6,000, they'll be there. What about the other 26,000 that are going to fill that bad boy? They got to be lured in there. She made a great point. The Niners are hot right now. The Warriors are red hot right now. And when you go to those games, it feels like if I don't go, I'm missing out. It's a party. It's an event. And I don't know if AT&T has that or Oracle has that right now. And what they had that I think we kind of overlooked. 
Park opens in 2000. Not only is it a brand new ballpark in downtown, Bonds is going for records for, for eight years, seven years. Then you got this quirky little guy, Timmy, a small little lull, but it was still the newness of the ballpark. First 10 years. Then you go right into winning World Series. Not one, three of them. And that rode the wave. I think this is the truest test they've had since opening the ballpark because now you, you don't have the, the marquee superstar chasing records, the newness of the stadium. You're the third fiddle of these other two hot commodity teams in the, in the market. I think there's a lot working against them. But what's crazy, things can flip quick. Oh, if things can flip quick. If yes. a couple guys come up and it starts to become a party, watch it turn around immediately. You mentioned the 49ers and the Warriors. What are they? They're cool. <laughs> Exactly. They're cool. You're so right. Yeah, that's, it, that's it. They're cool. The 49ers weren't cool. Five six, years ago. Six, seven years ago. At all. Yeah. They were not I couldn't cool. give away tickets, Mark. Yeah. Jimmy showed up, went on a five-game <laughs> yes. win streak, and, 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 had, and it was really good looking, and they were cool. Yes. Which, by the way, don't ever forget that, 49er fans. That <laughs> man made you cool again. He's going to leave, but he made you cool again. So that's it. That's it. Yeah. It could be signing a star. It could be one coming up. Um, it needs to probably be a little bit of both. Um, and, and yes, there are also functional aspects of, of all this. And there's 81 games and, and all of that. A lot of inventory. Yeah, but it, 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 parking it can get sucks. better. Parking does suck down there. Oh, That's no one doubt. thing that, I, that I've noticed. I mean, we're lucky we get a little media credential so we can park yeah. in the media lot. Shh. But the other thing that I noticed, and this is something that I think not just baseball, but the Giants in particular, this is the tech hub of the world. You need to show me every replay of everything that's going on on that big screen. It's beautiful. I need to have monitors everywhere. When I'm live and I'm there, there's so much downtime. Everyone's on their phone. They're talking. They're having conversations. I need to see the replay. The at-home viewing experience cannot be ridiculously better than the in-game viewing experience. And I think Levi's is adjusted. They show you every single replay when you go to a Niner game. The Warrior game, they've got it all over. The, the, The live action the entire time. So if you miss it, you can look up or whatever. Baseball, I don't care if the umpires feel like they're being one-upped. It's about the audience, and you need to make the viewing experience awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's time to think outside the box as far as in-game entertainment. There's yes. no question. No yes. no question about that. Oh, um, I do right, love great. a kiss cam, though. Well, I, 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 I will defend I'm the kiss cam. I'm with you. I will defend the kiss cam. I mean, once a week, you're getting some lady that's, that's like, get I'm- away from me, you dirty <laughs> jerk. Like, yeah, and that's yes. just good entertainment. Exactly. Uh, period. Period. Um, all right. Great stuff today. Uh, we'll be back with you at the end of the week, yes. which is going to not only be the end of the Arizona series, but the series in Colorado as well. So one more trip through this rotation, and we'll be back with you because we do it twice a week on the Giants podcast by Giants fans, for Giants fans, garlic fries, and baseball guys. We thank you for being with us and we invite you to subscribe.